there would always be a Pharaoh and a Haman and a Nimrod, right? And an Iblis that these verses would apply to, mm. even if their names were not Pharaoh, Haman, uh, Abu Lahab, etc. Right. Do you understand? It's the characters. The characters. The characters, they so. serve as these types of um, um, archetypes, archetypes yeah, yeah, that would exist in, in, in every day and age. My dear brother Hassan al Hakim. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, the honors. Oh, my, thank you. So, um, today we're going to talk about uh, something really important, and it has to do with the divine books from God, all right, and how to interpret them. Okay. And the interpretation of these books, it differs uh, depending on who it is that you're asking. And the focus of the conversation really has to do with the, in, the interpretation that Muslims have in regards to the Quran. All right. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to mention uh, briefly how it is that uh, the Torah and the Gospels were written and how they're interpreted, all right, and the, the worldview on that. So in terms of the, of the Torah, uh, the Torah is not written in first person. Uh, the Hebrew Bible uh, as a whole, which includes the Torah and uh, the books of the uh, prophets and the messengers, it's written more in a uh, third person, right? Uh, so what I mean by that is that there's an author who is writing a, an account, a narrative, and he's saying, uh, for example, uh, the Lord uh, said this and this, right? And so obviously it's not the Lord who's the, mm. the speaker or the author uh, of the narrative. And at the same time, uh, it's saying, and Adam said this and this, or Abraham said this and this, or Moses said, and, and this and this, or Moses fell flat on his face, right? And so although the um, the narrations uh, state, the Jewish narrations and and uh, even uh, some Christian na narratives and narrations, they do state that Moses was the one whom um, wrote the Torah. Um, we get the Torah and the Hebrew Bible being written uh, on the tongue of a third person uh, rather than uh, it being, for example, directly God saying, and, and, and I say do this and this and this, right? right? Or, uh, you know, being directly written by the prophet or the messenger. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's, a, it's an account from a third person. For this is one. Two, um, it's a very specific account that is dealing with very specific times, mm -hmm. you know. Um, the, the Torah consists of five books, all right, Genesis through Exodus, and uh, a large portion of it has to do 
with basically the stories of the of the ancestors right. right so what happened with adam how did he get kicked out of the garden of eden how life was uh, created um in the universe and then it kind of um you know goes into the story of the flood then noah and then abraham and then it goes into these stories of the prophets and the messengers until it gets to the time of Moses, and then it kind of really focuses in and builds this uh, history of Moses with the Israelites, and you have a listing, uh, you know, a census, so to speak, of the Israelites who who were living at that time of Moses and what tribe they descended from, and and all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's more like a history book. Mm-hmm. That's what the Hebrew Bible is like, and that's what most Jews take it to be, is kind of mm-hmm. like this this history book and this jurisprudence book. Mm-hmm. It has the history of the people, and it has the laws and the commandments whereby um, that was given to Moses, and it speaks about when it was given to Moses, and uh, these laws and, and, and jurisprudence is, is, is still to be abided by today according to the Jewish people and that's that's the thing so part of it part of the Torah they consider it to be like dead history not applicable today Mm. yeah okay certainly all of the parts that have to do with uh, the stories of the ancestors they're not applicable today it's not it's not valid today it's something that happened in the past we know it. It's good to know it. We can draw some uh, lessons uh, from the past based on it, but it's in the past. Mm. But it's not the same thing with the with the laws. The laws, they're living laws. Uh, they were given. They stood in that time, and they're still standing today. Okay. And I mean specifically the laws that were given uh, to mm. Moses, yeah. all right, for the Jewish people. Now, then the Gospels come along, okay, and uh, for Christians... Um, the Gospels are written in a language that is not native uh, to the language that uh, Jesus and his companions spoke, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were speaking Ar- Aramaic uh, at the time, and the Bible is all written in Greek, Greek. right? Uh, so it's it's a completely different language. It's um, supposed to be uh, Greek translations of the words of the disciples um, that were with Christ. Mm-hmm. And a large part of the Gospels, um, the New Testament, is based off of the writings and the letters and the understanding of Paul, who uh, we spoke about before, right. and how Paul never met Jesus, but he was a person who persecuted uh, the Christians and I was responsible for the killings of uh, Christians. And then, you know, he ends up hearing a voice and he says that this is Jesus. And then he starts giving his uh, two cents on things. When the Gospels came, now the way that Christians take the book is that they considered, you know, the Jews and the Christians, they call their books like the living word, right? So, So it's like alive, 
uh, the, they consider it to be the the word of God, right? mm. uh, so to speak, and they consider that the wisdom that's in it still lives, and the laws uh, that were given, the commandments, even in the New Testament, like Jesus commanding uh, his disciples to love one another, um, you know, different commandments that Paul gives, they consider uh, his commandments to be divinely inspired. And they consider it to be uh, like still living, that you have to abide by it uh, today. Um, but they consider the New Testament to kind of invalidate the Old Testament. Mm. The Old Testament for them in full dies with the birth of the New Testament. New Testament. So it's the Old Testament no longer is the living word of God, mm -hmm. there's a new living word of God, and that is the New Testament. And so the Old Testament is invalid, but they continue to keep it there as, as a supplemental proof or evidence of the fact that the, um, the prophets and the messengers before had foretold that the Messiah was going to come. And so there's a lot of evidence in there, uh, parallels uh, that they see prophecies that they interpret to be talking about Jesus Christ. And so for that reason, they leave it in there. But in terms of a historical narrative and in terms of the, uh, the commandments and laws, it's dead it's no longer required it's no longer needed do you understand yes okay also the new testament is written in third person so it's not it's written about jesus uh, but it's not written by jesus nothing in the entire um, bible is written by jesus firsthand right. yeah and uh it is not written either in the in the in the name of the Father. Like it's not a yeah. it's not a divine revelation where God is speaking, but rather it's saying, you know, and God, uh, you know, yeah. basically said, "This is my Son that I love," etc. Yeah. And Jesus says, you know, this or Jesus does that, you know, oh my, you know, why have you forsaken me, etc. Or he says, "You said this, I didn't say this." So it's an account that's speaking about Jesus mm -hmm. and about. God and about the disciples and about that time um, that they were living in and and but it's not identifying who the author is. Mm -hmm. So in Old Testament and in New Testament, it's unclear. Nobody really knows who wrote them. It is anonymous authors from the beginning all the way to the end, minus uh, the part that has to do with. Um, Paul, yeah. everything that Paul wrote, you know, is, is pretty known. It's, 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 you know, there are some, um, differences of opinions in regards to the scholars as to, uh, particular portions, whether or not Paul wrote it or didn't write it, but it is unanimous that he wrote a large portion of the New Testament. And there are things that specifically he says, like, this is the, you know, this is my letter yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I'm writing to so-and-so. Okay. And now we come to the Quran and the Quran is different. And that's the point that we're trying to reach. Mm. Yeah, Quran is much different than the Old Testament and the New Testament because it is uh, preserved as the Word of God, the first-hand account 
his speech that he inspired the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu with, right? So um, the Quran is viewed as a meaning that was placed into the heart of the Prophet Muhammad and the Prophet Muhammad, the best of interpreters, all right, perfectly so um, translated this meaning and will that was placed into his heart into the Arabic language and therefore the Quran becomes the spoken word of God that is unchanged and untainted. And Muslims believe Sunnis and Shia, uh, although some of them uh, believe that you know it was it was directly actually spoken by Gabriel in the Arabic language to the Prophet Muhammad, and the Prophet Muhammad was just a copier, right, right. or transmitter of the word that was given to him um, instead of an interpreter of the of the meaning. But nonetheless, it doesn't matter. The Sunnis and Shia, all Muslims, they believe that the Quran is the perfect word of God in 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 His account, you mm. know, in a in a first person account, and that's why. You'll find uh, verses in the Quran that state, you know, say Allah is one, right? Uh, so it's it's like God is telling Muhammad to say uh, this. So the speaker, um, the person who's writing the Quran, the author of it is God in the first person. It's not like a third person account where you get like, and he said such and such, and then right. God said such and such. No, it's all God. He's the one Direct. who is who is narrating uh, the events that took place and giving the commandments. Right. Okay. And when we look at the substance, what is in the Quran itself? Um, we find that the narrations from the Ahl Bayt they specify that the Quran was brought down into three thirds, right? Mm -hmm. And it's split into three thirds, okay? One third is about us, the Ahl Bayt This is what the narration states. Another third of the Quran is written about our enemies. Okay, so the the hypocrites, the disbelievers, the bad people. And the third of the Quran is the jurisprudence, right? The laws and the commandments that people must abide by. Then the narrations state that the Quran is a living book that applies to all times. Mm. This is really important for people to understand. Mm. Because the Ahl Bayt they said, now, for every day and age, the verses in the Quran apply to somebody. Because if they applied to only a particular individual, and then that individual died, well, then the verse would die with that individual. And so it would no longer be the living word of God. Right. So in order that it be the living word of God, if the verse, for example, or a surah came down about Abu Lahab, this surah comes down condemning, cursing um, the enemy of Islam, Abu Lahab, and Abu Lahab dies, 
they considered that this surah would become a dead surah because it's about somebody who's dead yeah. and, and now it's no longer significant. It dies with the person that died. Yeah. And so the verse would have to change. The surah would have to change, not in its, in its words, but in who it's talking about. Mm. That because God is perfect, and because his words are alive, because he himself is life, everything that he says must apply to all ages. Right. Do you understand? Right. And so if he chooses to bring down a verse which condemns Abu Lahab, it's because there will always be in Abu Lahab type character that this surah of the Quran would be speaking about. Right. There would always be a Pharaoh and a Haman and a Nimrod, right? And an Iblis that these verses would apply to, mm. even if their names were not Pharaoh, Haman, uh, Abu Lahab, etc. Right. Do you understand? It's the characters. The characters, the characters, they so. serve as these types of um, um, archetypes, archetypes yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would exist in, in, in every day and age. Mm. And as such, the verses that came down concerning the Prophet Muhammad, if, if these verses died with the Prophet, when he dies, right, and they don't apply to Imam Ali salam after him, and then apply to Al Hassan and Al Hussein after him, right, then these verses of the Quran would die with the Prophet Muhammad, and that would be two thirds of the Quran now that would be pointless, right? Because it's what's the point of it? There's like, no point of it anymore. No it's talking about characters that have gone, and so that experience that the Muslims had at the time of the Prophet Muhammad when they had these verses that were living, that were speaking about events that were ongoing around them, mm. would be lost forever. Yeah, it's like God's yeah. words is like only limited to a specific time. It would only be limited to a specific yeah. time and that's not possible it's with God truth. because God, just as he was alive in the time of the Prophet he's Muhammad, alive he's alive today, right? Yeah. And so if these verses if these verses went away with the going away of the Prophet Muhammad then it would necessitate that God is constantly renewing yes. the Quran with new verses and that it would be an ongoing thing until uh, the day of judgment. But the verses of the Quran are alive and they apply to every day and age. Yeah. So it would be like him changing his sunnah and he said he doesn't change his sunnah. It's like at that time, that that's his sunnah, then today it should be the same. Yeah, so now the final third has to do with the commandments um, of God, the halal and the haram. And uh, these verses they have from there the muhkam and they have the mutashabih, right? They have in there uh, those verses which are clear and the verses which are, you know, like uh, can be abrogated mm -hmm. and, and changed uh, depending to the time and, and to navigate through the jurisprudence and through the halal and the haram, you always need a living imam mm -hmm. that can interpret 
um, the verses according to the uh, time that he's living in and to, uh, you know, be able to issue the correct um, fatwa, so to speak, or, or religious decree so that um, people don't go astray. Okay? Good. So now, what does this mean? What are we, what are we saying? We're saying that in the time of the Prophet Muhammad the verses that had come down speaking about Pharaoh and Haman, they would have had an additional meaning to it because Pharaoh and Haman during the life of the Prophet Muhammad had already passed away. And so these verses that were speaking about Pharaoh and Haman were speaking about a historical event that took place in the time of Moses. Right. But it was also talking about the archetype of Pharaoh and Haman and Moses existing in that current day and age. Mm. And so all of the verses in the Quran now that are speaking about Moses, they're applicable to the Prophet Muhammad Okay? So every verse that's speaking about Moses, speaking now about Muhammad, every verse that's speaking about Pharaoh and Haman, it's speaking about Abu Bakr and Omar. Right? who were the wow. enemies, the usurpers, the tyrants um, that existed in the time of the Prophet Muhammad and that oppressed him and oppressed his family. Yes. And after the Prophet's passing, right, um, the example of Pharaoh and Haman continued throughout the life of Imam Ali and Imam Ali salam, he also was mentioned in the Quran every time that there was a verse that spoke about Aaron, because mm-hmm. Aaron was the successor of oh, Moses. Yes. Do you understand? That's right, yes. Makes sense. Absolutely. The the verses and the characters and the meaning of it changes and applies to every uh, changes its its person changes, mm. but its meaning remains the same. Right. You know, the moral remains the same, the warning remains the same. Yeah, the punishment that's going to come down, and the way that God despises Pharaoh and Haman and wants them to let his people go mm. becomes applicable in the time of the Prophet Muhammad, in the time of Imam Ali mm. where these two, Pharaoh and Haman, are oppressing the true believers just like they oppressed uh, the Pharaoh and Haman in the time of Moses oppressed the Israelites. Mm. Do you understand? Yes, makes sense. And uh, that's why you find many narrations where the Prophet Muhammad compares himself to Moses. Yeah. Or Imam Ali um, after the death of the Prophet Muhammad, um, you know, and after Abu Bakr and Amr attacked his house and burnt down um, the door and they uh, forced him to come out and uh, the whole incident took place where they, they took him out of his house, uh, you know, yeah. in the presence of Salman and uh, and his and his household. Uh, what what was the narrative? the narration state it says that Imam Ali salam, uh, you know when he ends up speaking to God he ends up reciting 
um, the verse in the Quran where he says, uh, right? So verily the people have oppressed me, they've weakened me, right? And they almost killed me. Well, this verse in the Quran was the response that Aaron gave to Moses when Moses came back from his meeting with God and and Moses questions Aaron why did you allow the people to worship the golden calf Aaron responds and says verily the people oppressed me and they almost killed me mm. and so Imam Ali salam, recites the same verse because the archetype for Aaron the verses that apply to Aaron the situation that came upon Aaron uh, you know during the time of of the absence of Moses is exactly what repeated itself in the time of Imam Ali salam, where he was forced to uh, go along with the pledging of allegiance of the people right to Abu Bakr and Omar and them to worship those two as the people worshipped the calf in the time of Moses mm -hmm. right uh, because he was oppressed in the land just like Aaron was oppressed do you understand yes and so we find that these verses and these stories are repeating themselves. The same thing that took place, the same story that took place in the time of Moses is taking place again in the time of the Prophet Muhammad mm -hmm. And so the stories now of the Torah, of the, of the Quran are living stories and the verses are living verses that apply in every day and age. Okay, so then what happens then? Imam Ali salam, he gets martyred eventually and uh, the, now uh, Prophet Muhammad's gone, Imam Ali salam, is gone. Mm -hmm. uh, Abu Bakr and Amr are gone. Okay, but the verses of the Quran are still alive, and so it repeats itself once again in 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 a new age because in every age these verses are alive, the stories are alive, the archetypes are alive, and so now what happens now it changes uh, names. Uh, there's there's still Pharaoh and Haman, but now it's Muawiyah and Yazid, yeah. And now there's Moses and Aaron, and there's Al Hassan and Al Hussein, yeah. And the story repeats itself, and it continues to repeat itself in every day and age until it gets down to the uh, day and age of uh, Imam Mahdi and all of the verses that have to do with the hypocrites, right, and the non-believers, uh, as they once applied to those who had doubt in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi um, you know, or who had fought the Prophet Muhammad, and now they apply to whoever doubts and fights in Imam Ali alayhi or whoever doubts in and fights against, um, you know, the, any of the imams coming towards, you know, until this current time, uh, Imam al-Mahdi alayhi you understand? Yes. Clear. Yeah. So the the, the central character um, becomes the living hujja of every time and his vice chairs, um, they play a role and the believers, uh, they play a role and the Quran is alive in the enemies of the believers and the enemies of the hujja in every day and age. Mm -hmm. uh, they become what these uh, verses are speaking about.
And for that reason, we find that the it, there is a plethora of narrations from Muhammad and the family of Muhammad that basically state that <clears throat> the the meaning of particular verses in the Quran are speaking about the Qa'im and his companions. Over and over and over again, you, you find these narrations in the writings of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, so much so that you would think that the entire Quran uh, was written about them. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that the Quran is written about them. Okay? And so... And so you would you would have verses like you know if the victory of Allah you know and the opening comes well this verse came down and it was when the Prophet Muhammad had opened Mecca mm -hmm. yeah and so the Prophet was victorious um, in the time of Imam Ali when he was victorious in certain battles this also would have been applicable to him and in the times of the Imams that were oppressed the the Ahl Bayt state in the narrations that that the fulfillment of these surahs in their time was delayed until a future time mm -hmm. which was the time of the Qa'im and his companions mm -hmm. okay that does that make sense that makes a lot of sense it's yeah. like these archetypes have to exist <laughs> These archetypes have to exist. And so what we're going to do, inshallah, in the next episode, uh, we're going to, right now we just wanted to kind of um, open up people's minds uh, to that idea. And in the coming episode, what we're going to do is we're going to specifically show uh, narration after narration after narration how the Ahl Bayt had stated that these verses apply to people in this particular uh, day and age. Okay. Okay. Great. That's amazing. God bless you. Thank you, Hassan, for joining me. And we'll stop there. And inshallah, we'll meet again. Okay. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum.